Welcome to Be A Better Speaker with me, Graham David, expert speaker. And this podcast is for you if you want to be a better speaker, facilitator, presenter or trainer. It's full of practical tools, tips and techniques to help you be better. This podcast is sponsored by bluebeetle.co.uk and grahamdavid.co.uk. Slightly different uh, approach in this episode. So normally, if you've heard any of the previous Be A Better Speaker episodes, you'll know that what I do is I'll, I'll take a topic and we'll, we'll have a chat about uh, some key ideas, some key thoughts that might make that topic easier for you as you're learning to become a better speaker. And um, I thought it might be quite interesting to have a, an interview with somebody who is trying to, to begin speaking for events or is perhaps early on in their the journey for learning that. So uh, in this episode, which uh, I'm going to hit the play button in just a moment, I interviewed Denise Ferguson and um, you, you'll hear Denise's story as we talk. Uh, we were cut short a little bit. We, we had about half an hour of a chat, which was really interesting. And uh, Denise was telling me about her, her business and why she's wanting to start to use uh, public speaking and seminars particularly to, to help promote her business and why that might be her next best move. So we cut a little bit short, uh, unfortunately, a combination of tech and power and other appointments. But it's, a, it's an interesting talk. And what's fascinating about it, I think, is um, that balance between here are some ideas that I know work with um, in live and in the moment, dealing with some questions and some thoughts and some points made by Denise so it's a, it's a good interview I hope you enjoy it it does end somewhat abruptly but uh, have a listen see what you think in this episode what are we looking at is um, people's first attempts and first uh, first goes at, at speaking publicly and uh, I'm joined by Denise Ferguson hi Denise hello how are you I'm good you good thank you good stuff so listen, we were we were just chatting before we started recording this, and you were telling me that that your business is working within um, within property. So tell me a little bit about that and why it is or how it is that you're now thinking you perhaps need to start doing some uh, some presentations or some seminars. So I've been running fine surveyors since the beginning of this year, and we are um, commercial property experts, and we help out um, businesses to negotiate their business premises and um, largely we uh, focus on making sure that all of our clients understand 100% of exactly what they're signing up to rather than um, just getting them an amazing deal. We do that too but also what we do is we try and save them um, a lot of money by showing them that you can get free advice by getting a good surveyor who will save you more money than they'll actually cost you. So, yeah, and this all came from the fact that I've been working with um, governments for the past 10 years and seeing businesses sign up for deals that they just absolutely do not understand. So, you know, I'm flipped to the other side and I want to kind of show people that getting advice can be free. Good stuff. Okay, well, that's that's a good starting position. And you were just saying that you want to start doing seminars or paid seminars or live gigs or whatever but this isn't something that's ever occurred to you previously so the question therefore I guess is what's the in your mind what's the kind of format of, of one of these seminars 
Well, I've been doing um, Facebook Lives and um, Instagram and, and LinkedIn for, throughout the time that I've been um, running fine surveyors. And I found, you know, that, that the audience love that kind of face to face. But I'd love to kind of get out there and be able to, you know, see, touch, feel, smell the kind of audience there and do that face to face just so they can you know, fully be immersed in the, the idea that, that the advice is out there and that they, you know, they can get it really easily. But yes, like you said, it's not something that I've ever thought about doing before. Um, I don't, I suppose it's that age old thing of, you know, that's what other people do. But now I'm realising that that's something that I can easily do. And then I saw what you did and I thought, you know, you're, you're the perfect person to get me started on understanding exactly how to get into it. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Um, so the, the, the seminar itself or the, the event itself, because um, uh, you'll understand I, I speak at a lot of events. I, I, I delivered two events last week. I've got, I think, three this week. Um, wow. And I, I, it's, it's often the same few points that people make, either when they see an event that they like. Um, so I've just posted a couple of recommendations from um, our clients for an event we did last week. And people talk about the energy and the entertainment and the engagement and the interaction and the value of it. And that, I'm never complacent about that. It's always lovely receiving that sort of feedback. But part of the reason I, I get that feedback is because there's some fairly simple things that, that people often don't do when they run seminars. So people often make the same few mistakes. So let's start to, to get into specifically um, your area's property. Um, there are certain things that people have seen frequently over the last few years, particularly with property seminar. I appreciate that's not necessarily a direct thing with yours, but but whenever we look at seminars and property, there are certain concerns that people have. And I'm guessing you're probably quite well placed, without naming any of these suppliers, um, to, to, to comment on some of people's concerns about going to anything that links the word property and seminar. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a hell of a lot of seminars that you can um, go to that are um, out and about these days. And largely, they are seen to, rightly or wrongly, seem to be um, profiteering on people's desire to make money from property. And largely, that's residential property, which isn't something that I deal with on a professional level, although personally, I do have a portfolio as well. So it's largely seen you know it's sold as an easy win a quick fix a um a a passive income is a really key word that are thrown about um out in the property world and obviously there's no such thing as passive income passive income is for people who've worked bloody hard to get the money coming towards them so you know those keywords they they're they're good for selling to the right people and they're great for, for pushing away people who don't want to hear that, you know, those key words. So, yes, sadly, the industry does have a bad rep when it comes to things like that. But uh, gratefully, I'm glad that's not the kind of gig that I'm interested in doing anyway. So, so here's the initial point that we need to consider. The reason that those phrases, you're absolutely right, passive income, make money while you sleep, uh, no money down deals 
how to buy uh, this string of bungalows for one pound. Yeah. Um, meet Dave. And a penny too. Yeah. And a penny. Yeah, yeah. Dave. Dave last year was was earning this much. He now earns that much in three months. Right. Yeah. Now, Homeless six months ago. And now he's a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've all seen all of those, and there are many yeah. many providers in the market, as you as you rightly say. But the issue remains that those messages are very compelling the, the issue the issue also remains I, I like your point about passive income that happens after you've worked bloody hard because with yeah. your portfolio you will know even though that might be passive income in the, the fact that the the capital value of the property is of course rising and um you are deriving rent from that all of that requires some maintenance it still requires risk quite a substantial risk in some cases and it still requires a, a level of, of oversight from you so you're absolutely right but the reality is those are still very appealing terms for a lot of people. So our first thing that we've got to discuss is what is it that you're actually going to be offering to your potential market? Now you mentioned that yours is not residential. So we've got to start to establish what is the key things that people are wanting to look for and buy. So wondering what thoughts you have about that initially. Well, predominantly, I, I focus on people who are looking to lease premises. So mm -hmm. I'm looking to speak to those um, entrepreneurs that are either looking to grow into bricks and mortar property or looking to expand so the likes of the people who already have uh, for instance a hair salon and looking to open a chain of them those sort of people are the people that I want I want to grab because I want to either get in before they make the initial mistakes that everyone seems to make or at this stage where they're looking to expand and make sure they don't make those same mistakes again. And I just need to get that message out to people that a good surveyor will cost you less than they will save you. So here's my first observation, Denise. You've talked a couple of times about the, the money that people spend they shouldn't do or don't have to do or yeah. getting to them before they make those mistakes. So yeah. I'm sure you're aware, but, but for absolute clarity, let's, let's really look at this because this is key when you start to run events because... Um, when you're talking to a room full of people, I don't know if you're thinking of 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, clearly you're not speaking to one person. You're speaking to a range of different reactions. But by and large, most of us are driven by what we want to get or what we want to avoid. And three or four times you refer to your business as trying to help people avoid those mistakes. So right yeah. from the start, let's have a look at this because this, I think, might be our first tip to think about. You need to start considering in a way of explaining the same offer you're making but as a thing that people can work towards because about half of your population will be driven by what they want to get not what they want to avoid does that make sense absolutely so it's like solving the pain point yeah yeah and that and that pain point is going to be although it's the same pain point it's understood and derived and programmed in our minds differently from these two yeah. different types of people so so everything you've explained so far is uh, we, we can help you avoid this. Yeah. But by and large, therefore, statistically, about half your population is thinking, yeah, but what will I get out of this? Now, yeah. if, you look at the, if you look at the seminars you've talked about, um, they're driven very much by you can do this, you can do this. These are all things you can move towards. But actually, if you ever go and see those seminars, you go and see those pictures live, uh, and they tend to work very much on the basis of filtering people down. So, you know, we'll put however many messages out. We'll get some live content online on Facebook Live. Then we'll start to get people at our live event. And then we'll start to drill down. We'll start with a small purchase and we'll build up to really expensive purchases. That's how these processes will work. We're all suspicious of that. But they flip flop. If you watch them very, very fast between you can do this 
this is a thing you can get. There it is if you just want to take it. With, But of course, if you don't, then you can go back to your Monday morning commute to work. And there's how kind of yeah. you can work towards and work away from. I think that might be a thing you need to, to, to look at straight away from the beginning of marketing your first seminar. Yeah, so essentially saying to my potential clients, I can save you thousands of pounds. I can save you hundreds of thousands of pounds. And, and the way... But you see, sorry to interrupt, but that is no, also okay. what I can save you. In other words, I can av- I can help you avoid loss. So your your language, it might be, Denise, that you're driven by what you want to avoid. Yeah. All right? Okay. By the way, there's no benefit to this either way. It's, it's, it's people are who they are, what they are. So I'm very yeah. much a towards person, right? You might be quite a strong away from person. Now, we both might be wanting the same outcome. So might, might, yeah. you know, I, I might want to open my chain of, of hairdressers, you said, yeah? But for me, yeah. it's about seeing that I can, and then that same benefit, but not save thousands, but what's the benefit I'm going to get from working with yeah. you? If I work with you, what can I work towards? Does that make sense? Absolutely. So they, they'll be gaining thousands yes. of pounds. Yeah. And they'll be gaining knowledge yeah. and they'll be gaining confidence and they'll be gaining peace of mind. And yeah, that's a great way of thinking about it. Yeah. Thank well, if you. you, if you yeah, if you start to look at um, some promotional letters or you, you'll see it on LinkedIn, actually, sometimes you'll see people say, if you attend this session, I will show you how to. And then you'll sometimes yeah. see a bit of a flip flop between what to do, and what not to do. So if, a, a structure I'll often use is, uh, so let's look at difficult conversations, right? That's the thing that uh, my company, Blue Beetle, trains a lot. So I might say, if you attend this session, I will show you um how to have a, a positive conversation where both of you feel like you've, you've achieved something, right? There's a towards. Yeah. I will show you the one biggest mistake that managers make and how to not make it yourself. In other words, there's an away from. Yeah. And both of those, yeah, in both of those, the technique is the same. But for a different audience or a different person, it's like, oh, oh good, yeah, I want to know how to avoid that. So that, that's yeah. what we're looking to do. Perfect, thank you. So, so, so when you start to now think in terms of your audience that you're attracting, um, what are your thoughts about where you do this and how you do this and how you get people along? In my head, I'm looking to get to uh, largely female entrepreneurs at the early stages of their expansion. So at the stages where they're either going from hobby to business or they're going from, you know, working from their dining room table to looking to opening their own business premises the likes of people um, who've been you know working from their home office to needing to employ other people and open a a, you know a a substantial office those sorts of people I've been working um, quite closely with a few um, people who work in fashion who are now you know have been working from a back room in their home but now need to open up warehouses so getting to those people as they're transitioning rather than, you know, taking them on on their second lease when, you know, when they've already made all of their mistakes already. So, so yeah, so, so, you're right. Kind of focus on those people and tell them what I can give them rather than what I can save them. That's a great idea. Well, give and save. It's, it's both yeah. sides. Cause, yeah. yeah. So so you, you obviously know where those people are. And, and, and is part of your offer going to be? Um, this is for uh, for women in business because um, you, you've mentioned that as a as a potential part of your offer. 
Yeah, I mean, when when we're looking at you know our, our ideal clients, then then women is definitely a focus that that I that I go down because they tend to be the audience that don't look for advice, unfortunately, or possibly look for it in the wrong place from people who aren't actually qualified to give them that advice. So, you know, I, I do kind of niche down into the, the female, but I do have a, a, a collection of, of, you know, male entrepreneurs that I help as well. So I'm always kind of wary to say female, but, but, I, but I definitely think that it's a, a focus that inspires me because I want to ensure that they get the right advice from the right people. Okay, so that I think that as a niche is is good identification, and you're you're saying there, um, particularly entrepreneurs who are just before they make that first poor choice, um, rather than on the second or their, their their third deal. So if you've got those those people already, then a big part of your pitch has presumably got to be the expertise that you're offering, and this. I guess is the second key part about when we start to offer a seminar. So what is it that we're going to get from this seminar? So first of all is the, the away from and the towards that we've just spoken about. The second thing is in terms of how you market your expertise. And I, I don't know what, um, what credibility points that you have that you can talk about, but it's really crucial. Uh, sometimes people like to know that you've been in the business for a certain amount of time. Sometimes people like to know about um, associations or businesses or deals that you've got for yourself. But I think you need to have a strong credibility pitch. And ideally, that's a sentence, right? So everybody talks about elevator pitches. But there's a key thing to bear in mind. Um, if you go and see a seminar, as I'm sure you have done, somebody will say, let me tell you a bit about me. And then they will rattle on about themselves boringly for two, <laughs> three, four, four minutes. Painful. It is painful. And there's a really key thing here, which is that um, well, I'm not speaking for everybody. I'm, I'm speaking I'm speaking to generalisation. As a generalisation, it's therefore largely true, based on talking to lots and lots of audiences. Most people don't really care. Right? What most people want is, I need to know that I can trust you and believe you, and what you're going to tell me is, is useful. But I want that really quickly. And then I want to move on to what I want. So I think a really yeah. important, a really important thing for anybody at a seminar like this is to establish credibility really, really fast. I think one of the problems yeah. people have is they tend to think, well, I'll tell you about that amazing deal I did, then I'll tell you about my ten years doing that, then I'll mention, oh, I'll throw in the so and so, and I'll do this and this. Now here's the problem: when you write all that down, you think, geez, I sound really good, but when you say it out loud, what your audience actually hears is all of it boiled down, so it becomes a bit of an average. So yeah. most of us don't pay attention as much as we think. I know it's for a fact. I talk to lots of audiences and I explain stuff three, four, five times. If I give an instruction to an audience out of a routine, I will tell you three different ways what I want you to do. Right? That's not because yeah. I'm not clear. It's not because I think you're stupid. It's just because there's an interesting thing in crowd psychology. Is people don't really listen as much as they think. So when you get to your credibility, what I'm suggesting is you've got to have one key standout, brilliant credibility point that goes, wow, that, 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 this is the person I need to speak to. Because the rest of yeah. it will just be blurred. So I don't know what your credibility pitch is. So I've been saving the government millions of pounds for the past 10 years, and I want to do the same for you. That's cool. So how many millions of pounds might make it more precise? Because that's the thing I remember. See, millions of pounds sounds a bit blurry. Does not When I say it doesn't matter, I'm going to sound flippant if I say that. But you know, I'm not going to say you, you've got oh, 38 million. 
give us nothing like 38 million. But if over the last 10 years I've saved the government 5.2 million pounds, now whether it's actually five or 5.5, my proposal is that's probably accurate enough. Christ, over the past 10 years, I've probably saved them about 100 million. So, okay. uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I've you not, see what I mean? Yeah, I've not even thought about it. I just, I do one gig at a time and go, this is how much I've saved you, and then move swiftly on. So, yeah, that, that's right. I'll have to so think now, about that. You see, now what we have is a credibility pitch that will stick in our minds. Because if it's 100 yeah. million, by the way, it doesn't matter if it's 100,000 or 100 million or a billion. Genuine, what matters to the government, but it doesn't really matter to our audience. What does matter is a figure that a specific figure. Because if if over the last ten years I've saved a hundred million for the UK government, and by the way, do you notice there how I paused after hundred million? Yeah. All right. So when you start to plan this, you start to plan your prep. When you do your Facebook Live or LinkedIn Live, or when you do your first live event, which is what we're talking about. What we're starting to do now is structure this so it sticks in people's heads. Yeah. So when I walk out on stage and tell you, why should you be listening to me? Well, over the last 10 years, I have saved the government £100 million. I need to ensure that that has got a silent gap after it. Because yeah. I want you to make sure you go, OK. Yeah. You see? So Yeah, no, that's great. Then what you're able it's, it's to do... It's so funny because I would never have thought of saying that before because... It just sounds way too egotistical to be my personality, but you're right. It kind of it gives you the uh, the credibility to then be able to then be yourself because I'm so authentic that that wouldn't be my authentic thing to say. But actually, in order to be authentic, I need to be credible, and then I can move on. Well, see, here's the problem, um, and you're absolutely right when you say that. If you tell me you can save me money, all right. Uh, I've been saving money for the government for 10 years. Well, regardless of um, anybody's views on the government, right, whatever your, your politics are, regardless of your, your, your favoured politician right now, most people, <laughs> most people might suspect... Uh, can you still hear me all right, by the way? Yeah. Sorry, slight change of technology there. Um, most people might suspect that the government's quite good at spending our money. So when somebody says, I've been saving the government money, really, how much? What are we talking about here? Whereas yeah. I've, over the last 10 years, you know, why should you listen to me? Over the last 10 years, I've saved UK government £100 million. So typically, you then boil it right down, because £100 million is too much for most of us to understand. Yeah. Right? It's government money. Government money doesn't feel like real money. All it feels no. like is government taking our tax and, and often wasting it. So now what I need you to do is to link that to what you're going to do for me. Now, this isn't about hyperbole. This isn't about, um, hey, earn money while you sleep, nonsense we talked about earlier. But this is a realistic match-for-match -match deal. So I've yeah. saved the government this much. Typically, with my clients, I find I can do this for you. Yeah. So are you currently doing that? No. Okay. But so, I should be. Okay, that's that's good. That's the whole point of this conversation. This is this is great. So 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 now you see you can translate down to to me as a as a as a new business owner. So Graham, listen, over the period of a six month, twelve month acquisition deal, you would typically expect to spend this much. Now that alone might be a surprise for me and a bit of a shock for me. So if I'm a very new entrepreneur, because you said you want to get people at the new stage, right? Yeah. 
what you've got now is a really good chance to give me a verbal slap around the head. Yeah. Now, I don't know what those figures are, but I bet you do. Yeah, it would depend on the deal, but it's that's a really good way to kind of say, you are likely to spend, I can save you, this is how so, I do so it. Give me, so let, let's just let's run this through now, okay? And of course it depends, but now we come to another issue, depending on how we like to see stuff. So we know people like detail, and we know other people don't care about detail, they want the big thing. Now, if you yep. think about your entrepreneurs, what are many of them likely to be? The detail people or the big image people? Big image. They okay. largely they largely don't um, think about the you know the, no. the this side of the business or and don't care either. They want somebody else to do it all for them. Right. So this, you say, starts to give me and your audience a smattering of why I should be listening to you. Yeah. So you do the 100 million pitch and you say, listen, so for people that think of doing this thing that you're you're helping us with, typically over the next 12 months in putting a deal together, you will spend how much is it going to be? Uh, depends on what business we're looking of at. But say we're talking about Trudy in her hair salon. She, Perfect. you know, in order to open up a new um, hair salon, she's looking she'd be likely to be paying. Um, in the first year in the region of uh, £75,000 in um, costs and fees of, you know, £50,000. Okay, so now you have my interest. Because if I didn't know this and I didn't care this, and you're right, I didn't, because I don't care. All I'm thinking of is, can I get another salon open by the end of the year? Can I open two more the year after that? Can I go for five the year after that? And then I'm thinking of, of all those... Um, documentaries I'm going to be on where, where I talk about how I open my hair salons all across Birmingham, right? So um, now you have my interest because 75k plus 50k, well, I, th- I knew it was going to be 75k for the, the acquisition and the refurb, and I thought maybe it's going to be 10k in, in cost. 50k, no, I'm not expecting that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So, okay. so what are you going to so do? So t- um, tangible um, figures that people can, you know, actually see. Yeah. Yes. And, and the, the difficulty, and I'm second-guessing this, right? So forgive me if I'm completely wrong, but the difficulty that you will sometimes have when you're talking to a room full of people is your it depends stock yeah. answer, right? Because yeah. two or three times I've asked you, you go, well, it kind of depends. Of course it, it depends. It does. It, it, yeah, but of, exactly. Of course it does. Exactly. But in the audience... So I need, I need to then talk specifically about a specific, yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. So you can you can headline all that with, look, these are sample figures. Yeah. And for you, audience, it might be £10,000 of costs or, by the way, it could be £100,000 of costs. Yeah. And then your final stage is, what are you going to save me? What are you going to make me? So that 50000 what might you be able to save the wary business owner? 5000 10000 1000 No. Yeah, I mean... Uh, of course it depends, about, yeah. Yeah, if we're talking about <laughs> figures like that, then you'd be looking at saving a good, you know, twenty, twenty-five thousand pounds. Right. Well, okay. So, so, so a forty to fifty percent saving—that's interesting, isn't it? That's quite a sexy yeah. thing to get into. So now, yeah. what we've got in our first minute is: this is who I am, and this is the credibility of why you're going to talk to me. Hundred million? Okay, fine. You sound like you know what you're talking about. Um, I, I, uh, I can help you. So, if you were to do an X, Y, and Z business, typically you would expect to spend this much. And if you were to work with me, I could save 45, 50% of it. And do the maths for me as well. 
because not everybody's yeah. so good with doing the maths, right? Yeah. If you're going to spend fifty thousand pounds on on um, on the services and the, the deal and, and all the parts of this, I can save you twenty thousand pounds of that. Yeah. Because if you're then going to later on pitch your price for all of this, that's going to sound really reasonable against twenty thousand pounds, isn't it? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Thank you. That's really handy. That's all right. So, what we're starting at then is this is this credibility thing. Now, it's really easy to find yourself in the hyperbole basis, and of course, you don't want to misrepresent what you're doing, right? And and, and I don't really want to work with anybody that's that's, that's doing that either. So, um, I will talk about return on investment in my world in training. I'll talk about time that we've saved, or I'll talk about reduction staff turnover and so on these are always back of the envelope figures so i've not made any of them up if you were to really drill down they might not be super precise but yeah. they're going to be well that's accurate. essentially my business model too so yeah that makes yeah. sense yeah so so that's what we're looking to do when you get into the seminar itself um when we start to, to talk about this then so as quick as possible we've got to move away from you uh, so if i'm now thinking yeah i want to listen to you how are you thinking this, this first seminar might go? My question really is, is your first seminar going to be free with an opportunity to buy something from you? Or is your seminar going to be the thing they've bought? I, I see myself the first um, seminar as part of a collective of people talking about entrepreneurship. I don't see myself doing my first one on my own. I... I see it as being, uh, you know, getting people's attention to um, another part of the business that they've not quite considered yet. So doing something on my own isn't something that I've really considered. Okay, so it would be like like a networking event for entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. With, or, with, with or the number of speakers. Yeah, entrepreneurship conferences, that, those sort of things. Perfect. Okay. So often in those, if you're at a, a seminar, um, I, I, I was at the NEC three times in the last four weeks, um, and um, I've, I've spoken at those sorts of conferences quite a lot, and you, you don't really have a, a, a captive audience. You have an audience that can wander in and out whenever they want, there's often really exciting things going on elsewhere. So there's an element of having to pitch for and win that, that business almost right from the start. Yeah. And then we need to find a way to hook them in and keep them there. So I'll look at that in just a minute. But just if you start to think in terms of your slot, you've probably got, what, 50 minutes to half an hour to speak? Yeah. So you've got a really key balance between what you're going to say and what you're going to leave out. Now, most people don't get this balance right. So what most people will do is they'll try and fit everything in because they wildly underestimate how much time they have. Yeah. And they try and stuff everything in because they want to offer loads of value. But you have to understand that people don't really learn by osmosis. So people learn at a seminar or get involved or interested or want to go further because they like the way you're talking. They like what you're saying. They like you they've come to the conclusion you can probably help them. Yeah. But part of the way that they will come to that conclusion is if they have space to breathe and talk and ask some questions and work with each other. Yeah. So one of the really key things you can do 
even in a 15 minute, if you get like a 15 minute window at a networking event, is to ask a few questions. Yeah, I definitely flourish when it's Q&A. Perfect. All right. So when you're doing Q&A, what's the structure you're currently using? How are you working it for you? Um, well, I'll, I'll talk about myself and what I do and everything, and then I'll ask people to, to then give me um, give me questions. And what I do currently is I do them on Top Tip Tuesdays and Fruit from the Ash Questions Fridays and kind of, you know, feedback on on what they can do with, the, with their questions. Okay, good. And um, how ready are your, your audiences to fire questions into you? Yeah, I mean, they seem to be quite receptive of that. You know, lots of people, you know, obviously I'm coming across people who haven't um, sought their own advice. And usually it's, you know, secondary issues that they're coming across, which is why they're asking for this advice. But, but yeah, we do, we, we get quite a lot of questions every week. So that's really good. Brilliant. So at a live seminar, um, how well are the... I know you said you've only just started start to move towards. How well are they going for questions, or is that an area of potential concern? As in, will people ask questions, and we will people ask answer your questions? I, I think I think people are, will be quite receptive because that you know people are always interested in getting some free advice. That was the interview then with Denise Ferguson. Uh, as I did say at the beginning, it ended a little bit abruptly, but. Um, this is a new style of episode for Be A Better Speaker. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something of value from it and, and found it as interesting as I did talking with Denise. Do please let me know. And also, if you'd like to uh, be the person that I speak with, as I say, it's great if you've got loads of experience as a speaker. I'd love to hear your views and your ideas. And we can have a bit of a chat about what you've learned. Or if you're at the opposite end of the scale, if you're brand new to speaking, you have some concerns, you have some thoughts, you'd like to do this, but you're not sure if it's right for you, then uh, perhaps we can set up an interview as I did with Denise. It would be brilliant to have that. We can do that live, see how you're getting on. And um, let me know. You can always drop me a message. Uh, You can look me up. You can find me, I think, uh, depending on how you're accessing this podcast, you can send me a message. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Graham, David, and if you start to type in Blue Beetle uh, or Be a Better Speaker, you should be able to find me easily enough. I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for listening to Be a Better Speaker. If you'd like to help me to keep making these podcasts for you, please consider subscribing right now. Leave a rating or leave a couple of words of encouragement. Be great to hear your reviews. My name's Graham David, expert speaker, and this podcast is sponsored by bluebeetle.co.uk and grahamdavid.co.uk.